The 266th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that, to be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win 54 to 53, North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! You're on way to Worthy! Worthy 5! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. Front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May! It's over! Carolina has won the national championship! 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national daggum champion. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Just Josh here once again with you guys today as I, as I have another interview for you. Michael Norwood, former Carolina basketball player, but as he often reminds me, he is a lifelong Tar Heel. I spoke with him ahead of the start of the season on Monday to reflect on the life and legacy that Walter Davis uh, leaves behind after tra- or after sadly passing away um, earlier this week. We talked about the, uh, the, the transfer portal that Carolina used this offseason both to bring players in and ship players out expectations for Elliot Cadeau, and so much more. So without any further waiting, here's my conversation with former Tar Heel Michael Norwood. I am now joined by former Tar Heel basketball player but lifelong Tar Heel Michael Norwood. Michael, good afternoon, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on your show. I appreciate you taking some time out of your your busy drive down to Auburn uh, University oh, yeah. to uh, <laughs> to um to, War to... Eagle War Eagle. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I'm excited to bring you on. You became a really big fixture of the program last year, giving us a different a different perspective of Carolina basketball, sure. having having played for the Tar Heels. Before we get to the on court stuff. Um, I'm sure you're well aware, as everyone within the Carolina family is, we lost a big one yesterday as Walter Davis passed away at the age of 69. Of course, most famous for hitting the shot to cap off the eight-point comeback in 17 seconds against Duke. He's also the uncle of the current head coach of Carolina basketball, that being Hubert Davis. Can you speak on the life and legacy that uh, that Walter Davis leaves behind and if you have a favorite moment from Walter Davis uh, during your time as a Tar Heel? Well, I mean, Walter was such a good guy. I mean, nickname was Sweet D, and if anybody's seen any film of him, his jump shot was pure. The one thing 
if you hear, I, I play a lot of golf with Dave Hanners, and he was around that time, and they'd laugh about how bad he was on defense because he couldn't guard anybody. But it didn't matter. He was such a good scorer. And I guess the year they went to the finals against Marquette would have been 1977. So I'm 12 years old. Uh, I hate to admit it, I was kind of a state fan, Duke fan around that time. But, you know, that era of Carolina basketball, to me, is the golden era. Phil Ford and Walter Davis and Kupchak and Lagarde and Coach Smith was at his height. And that was really the essence, to me, of Carolina basketball. Those guys played hard. They played smart. They played together. When, When there's reunions... That whole group, O'Corn, throw him in there. They they are thick as thieves. I, I mean, they are together the entire time. They're going out to dinner. They're going out for drinks afterwards. They, they're so tight that that group right in there. And and again, I love it. Um, you know, I saw Walter play. I went to see one of my my teammates. Two of my teammates, Joe Wolf, was playing with Denver, and Popson was playing with. Uh, the Boston Celtics. So I went up to Boston, and I, and Walter was playing with Denver, and so I got to see Walter and Wolfie play pop. So that was really cool. Uh, when I was, you know, mid '80s playing pickup in the summer, Walter was still coming back playing pickup. So I got to play against him, play you know, play with him, play against him some pickup, but just a humble, humble, really nice guy. Everybody talks about what a great teammate, and, and it hurt. I mean, I got a text yesterday about 1 o'clock, and it said RIP Greyhound, and I kind of knew. Uh, I didn't really know that he'd been battling some health issues for about a year, and that's it came out. So, you know, our text thread, somebody was like, yeah, here's what was going on. So that really surprised me. He was on campus two weeks ago with Phil and went to the football game. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's one that that definitely caught us caught us all off guard. Um, and with it happening just you know right around the corner from the basketball season, does kind of put a sure. little bit of a damper on the excitement that we have uh, for this year uh, for Carolina basketball. Before we talk about this year, I, I do want to talk. I do want to talk about about last year. Um, and, and because a lot went wrong, and, and Carolina, sure. you know, started preseason number one. They missed the tournament. They skipped the NIT because so Huber Davis felt like it was the right thing to do to overhaul the program. As a former right. player, did you agree with the decision for Carolina not to play in the NIT so they could get a head start on getting guys in the transfer portal because they knew they had they had such a much and they they had they had such a mass exodus of guys that were going to leave the program. You know, a lot of times it's hard to, you know, unless you know all the facts, it's hard to make a judgment. I personally believe that you're the University of North Carolina and we're going to go play basketball. And if you don't want to go play, fine. I'll find five dudes, 12 dudes, whatever. I'll find people that will go play. I get, you know, wanting to get a jump on the transfer portal, it's so important now. If it was me, I'm playing those games. And if it's Dewey and Rob and Creighton and five other JV guys, I'm still putting Carolina on and I'm still fighting as hard as I can. 
but I also understand the season was over. I mean, that team had bad chemistry. They, they were not successful in any stretch, and they were all disappointed. They were ready to turn the page. So I get the decision. I personally would have had a different decision. But, again, I'm not privy to all the facts. But if it was up to me, we're playing ball. Yeah, I, I think I think that was a lot of people's perspective was, you know, Carolina gets this reputation of being better than everybody else, kind of putting their pinky out. And when you snub your, you know, when you snub an NIT invitation. A hundred percent. You know, it's, you, it, you're going to use that against Carolina. If I'm recruiting against you, I'm going to say, oh, you guys, the minute things don't go right, you take your ball and go home. You're not tough. If I'm every other coach in America, I'm bringing that up. And and rightfully so. One of the, the the guys that got the blame for the for for all the issues last season, whether it's right or wrong, uh, is it, we'll, we'll we'll never know. Was Caleb Love, and he transfers out sure. of the program first to Michigan. He ultimately ends up uh, in Arizona. You're still very connected to the program. Did you did you approve of the way Carolina handled his exit from the program? And do you think it was a? Do you think it was necessary for Carolina basketball for them to move on from Caleb Love? I think it was uh, in be- in both parties' best interest to move on. I, I, I've got to know Caleb a little bit, running to him on campus, always really nice to me. I, I just it was one of those where both people needed to go a different direction. As for you know the handling of Caleb, I. I didn't like how he – I felt like he took a little too much blame for last year. I mean, there was a lot of problems for a lot of different areas of our basketball team, and and him transferring is not going to fix a lot of the problems we had. So I have a little bit of a problem of I thought he's been thrown under the bus somewhat, in my opinion. Um, and, again, he did a lot of things wrong. You know, took bad shots, but bad body language. You know, tough defense. I'm sure he would agree to all those statements. Uh, but also, if I'm I'm looking at the adults in the room, if the coaches didn't like the first bad shot, and he took another bad shot and another bad shot, that's on you for not benching the guy. And and so I yeah again. There, there's a case where both parties can be guilty of of being wrong and not doing the best for each involved. Let's turn the page now and talk about this year's team because yeah, I, do. I I don't know about you I'm I'm very excited optimistic um, I predicted this team to make a return not only to the tournament but I've got Final Four uh, aspirations uh, for for this season. Carolina brings back uh, R.J. Davis and Armando Baycott, too, which to this generation of Carolina basketball fans, they think they're the foundation because they've been uh, in the program for so long. When you look at the type of legacies these guys can leave, this is definitely Armando's last year at Carolina. R.J. could still come back for a super senior season if he were to choose so. Do they have sure. to? Do they have to win a national championship for their legacy to be remembered in a positive manner, or have they done so much and accomplished so much that even if they don't hang a banner, these are two Tar Heels we'll, we'll always reflect on in a positive light? Always going to reflect them on a positive light. Uh, the the run and and 
beating Duke when nobody thought you could, beating them twice is incredible. I was at the Final Four. The, the Just the injuries kept mounting up, and we ran out of people against Kansas. I mean, we were up, what, 15, mm-hmm. 15 or so. We really could have stole a lot there. Those guys have given everything they can. I, I mean, I hate to say it. I love both of them. known them forever. I don't see either one of them being NBA players. I know they want to be, but it, I think it's going to be difficult. So the way I, I look at it is in the time here, they really did maximize their 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 time here. I mean, the most popular Carolina guys are you know, the Joel Berries, the Marcus Pages, you know, guys like that. They're not NBA guys, but they bled Carolina blue. They played as hard as they could. They played up to their potential. Those are those are the people that that are thought fondly of looking back over time. We're talking with Michael Norwood. He's a former Carolina basketball player, but he is he will always be a lifelong Tar Heel. Carolina was very Absolutely. active in 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 the transfer portal, um, bringing in a handful of guys. Harrison Ingram is the one that's getting the most attention, um, and I think we we saw a glimpse as to why and what he did in the exhibition against Saint uh, against Saint Augustine's a little over a week ago. When you look at the guys that Carolina brought in, Harrison Ingram, Paxson sure. Wojcik, and Cormac Ryan, which one of those guys do you think will be the most impactful transfer for Carolina this year? I worked basketball camp for two weeks, so I watched them play pick up. I was around, the, around a lot of those guys a bunch, and they fit in really easily. Uh, they, they, the, the whole group is very tight, tightest out of the team. I think each of those transfers is is unique in what they're going to contribute. When I watched, uh, kind of running through them all, watching him play pickup. Now he didn't play in the St. Augustine's game, but I, I really like what Jalen Withers did. Mm. He's, he's aggressive. He attacks. He's athletic. We haven't had that in a long time, so I think he's going to really contribute. Um, hands down, Carmack Ryan is the leader of the team. Uh, RJ and Baycott, are, even though they're old, they've been there for a while, they're naturally not real loud, in-your-face, leadership type of people. And Ryan really is a great leader, mature guy. He moves without the ball, great shooter. I think uh, fans are going to love watching him play. Uh, Wojcik, a little bit of the same thing, good shooter, moves without the ball, really, really scrappy. I'm not sure when we start playing boy basketball if the speed of the game may be a hair much for him because you got to be able to guard somebody. I think that'll be his 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 weakness. And then uh, um, Ingram looked and he looked real good during the summer. He looked even better against St. Augustine. He's really smart and he's aggressive. He's a great shooter. He knows how to play the game. My concern is that if you're playing him at the four against, again, the big boy schools, he may be a little short, you know, not as explosive for a four-man, and then you switch him to three, and is he quick enough to guard threes? I don't know those answers, and Larry Bird was not fast or explosive, and I don't say Ingram's like that, but he's a really smart player, and I believe he can figure it out. And for a couple times – 
in the, in the St. Augustine game, again, they used him at the four, and he's knocking down threes. He looked good. Then they moved him to the three spot when it was Baycott, I think maybe Zayden High, and him at the three, and he was effective. He is a do-it-all guy. Plug him in anywhere you want situation. You mentioned Elliot Cadeau, and that's where I want to go next because this guy enters – at least in my lifetime, as as really hyped a freshman as we can as we can sure. recall, because he he's the best passer the program has seen since Kendall Marshall, the second that yep. he reclassified. But this is Carolina basketball, and there's a history and a track record that freshmen don't always come in and play at the highest of levels and live up to the expectations. I talked to Brennan Marks, who covers the program for The Athletic, yeah. earlier in the week, and he's really concerned about the expectations we have of this kid. Do, do you think yeah. that Carolina fans are asking too much going into the season of a guy that should be playing one more season of high school basketball? Right. Or, or do you look at him and say, he's poised and he's ready for the moment and is going to make the type of impact we want him to make as fans? I think all those can be true. Uh, really nice kid. I met him and his mom a bunch this summer. Uh, from a basketball standpoint, you worry about starting he and RJ together because neither one of them are six feet tall. Mm-hmm. And that's the short part. But I also saw in the St. Augustine game, the first time he came in, he's getting loose, used to the game. He turned the corner a couple of times and, like, ooh, you know, he really wants it really quick. We haven't had that in a while. And then kind of the second rotation, it started to click. He got more aggressive. He he is hands down pass first. He's trying to sit up with everybody. And he had a little stretch where he was pushing the ball, attacking the paint, and finding RJ. And I think RJ hit like three straight threes. And you go, okay, see where us running more and getting out, and R.J. getting to play only the two in that situation can really shoot the lights out. And Cadeau will, will, will facilitate that. He'll hit the big men. You know, he hit Baycott. Um, I, I do want to talk about Zayden High in addition to Cadeau for freshman. But you're right, Cadeau's going to have a lot of pressure on him. But I also think we're 10 deep. So Cadeau's not going to play 38 minutes. He's going to play, who knows, 26 to 30 minutes. So there's not as much pressure as if here's the ball, you're playing 38 minutes, you got to run the team. You mentioned that that you you think Carolina is going to play, be able to be, be 10 deep. I look at this roster and say, really for the first time under Huber Davis – Sure. They they have legitimate depth. Something that we you know we would have maybe been honest with ourselves year one, year two. This was a team that was maybe ever going to play maybe at the most eight deep. How much of an indictment would it be on Hubert if he cannot create and develop a legitimate rotation like we're used to seeing you know under the likes of Coach Smith and Coach Williams all those years? Well, it, it's incredibly hard. They they have ten guys that deserve to play. And it is, as a coach, I've coached forever, coached kids and things like that. It's hard to coach when you got 10 good players because <laughs> you got 10 guys that think that want to play and they want minutes. And it's a lot easier to coach when you're only five deep, six deep, because you don't have to worry about rotations. It's going to be hard this year 
to coach 10 guys because you, you, you don't know if you're only giving somebody a couple minutes, you don't know if they're hot tonight or not hot or whatever. And, and coach Williams get criticized and, and even coach Smith early in the season, he had his set rotation, and, and Pete Chilcutt tells this story all the time when he was a freshman. Coach Smith would put him in for you know, seven minutes in the first half and seven minutes in the second half, and it didn't matter if he screwed up every time or played great. He got those minutes and was left in there, and Pete credited that with making him more ready to play a year later You know, down the road because he got those minutes. Ten guys is a whole lot of guys to make happy, a whole lot of guys to play. Uh, uh, Part of last year, we go back to last year, and and Coach Davis didn't use the bench, didn't use the bench. When also may have been, those guys just weren't good enough for ACC basketball. We don't really know that. We'll see when they transfer and how do they do. But it may have been he wanted to play them, and they were just not up to the level of competition. A few more questions for you, Michael, and I'll get you out of here. You you mentioned sure. Zayden High, and, and yeah. I think this is a guy that entered, yes, he was a four-star prospect, but I don't know if there was really going to be a lot expected of him nope. this year. But yeah, I, I've seen him in the live-action scrimmage. I, I watched the St. Augustine's exhibition. There's an activity level and an effort level for him that I think he's going to carve out a role because how do you keep a guy that plays that hard off the bench? I'm curious, though, does he does he remind you of any freshman coming in? Because, like I said, I, I didn't have any high expectations for him, but every time I've watched the kid play basketball, I've come away impressed. One of the coaches, I forgot which one, told me before the season started, like Zayden High is surprising everybody. Yeah, he is. And then I saw him at the, and I saw him play some pickup, but you can't tell anything with pickup. But that St. Augustine game, he was active. He was pl- trying to block every shot. He was getting rebounds. He was the first sub. He and Cadeau were the first two subs. And again, I know that Jalen Withers, but those two were the first two subs. And, and, the coaches love him, and they, they've said, this guy's earned minutes. He's going to play. And I was talking to one of the other players, and I was like, man, how looks really good. They're like, oh, I love him. They're like, he talks trash. He doesn't back down from anybody. He's not scared. They're like, this guy's really going to be a player. And we, you're right. I don't remember the last explosive, pogo stick, aggressive, shot-blocking athlete we've had in a long time. Yeah, I mean, like, in my head, I was thinking maybe a mix between somewhat of, you know, Isaiah Hicks, because I, I thought Isaiah Hicks could be very explosive. His body kind of reminds you somewhat yeah, of a yeah, Bryce Isaiah's Johnson. Isaiah's a little more bigger four-man. Mm-hmm. Satan High, to me, moves like a really good three-man, but built like a four. Uh, I mean, he moves. He has that... You know, a lot of times athleticism, there's several different things. And one of them is agility east-west, being able to go laterally. And he really, I've only seen him the one time, I'm sorry, play pickup, but he had that. He could go east-west. He could go north-south, jump. He really, I think he's going to surprise a whole lot of people this year. And you start thinking about the lineups, 
you know, you put him at the four with Baycott or him at the four with Jalen Washington, and he get, brings out much activity, and then you slide either either Ingram to the three or Ryan's at the three, and you got a really pretty good active team right there. Yeah, no, I, I think Carolina is going to be as versatile as they've been in quite some time, and I think it's why they're... It is fun to watch. Yeah, I... the, the fans are going to be pleasantly surprised, I believe, that this is a really fun team to watch play basketball. And I think one of the biggest reasons why, Michael, is the secondary break is it's it's making its return. We knew when Hubert Davis got hired, the program was in a transition. We were going to play a more modern style of basketball, if you will, with a more emphasis on shooting the three ball well. But I don't think any of us were prepared to see the secondary break, a Carolina basketball staple, be taken away. I don't think right. it was on purpose. I think he knew his roster just wasn't equipped to to play that style of basketball. It's bad. Well, and also one point to that: the the, the problem you sometimes run ran into a secondary break. By the time you ran it and 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 it didn't work, and you're at the end, you got to remember the shot clock's shorter now than it used to be. Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden you run through a couple options, secondary break. Now you're at 14 seconds on the shot clock. It's hard to reset. Uh, that's why I think Caleb got – he a lot of times got, you know, bombs. But that's where the shot clock's running down. Somebody throws you the ball, and you've got five seconds, and you got to get a shot up, and you got no chance. So uh, that's why they got away from it is you got to be careful how much time you heat up exploring the options. And I think they've tried to tinker with it and made some quicker hitting stuff out of it, from what I understand. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, we, we saw it on display against St. Augustine's, and I know it's a Division II CIAA opponent, but you could sure. see the impact that it had on, on Carolina's offense. And yeah. I, I think that's what you talked to about, you know, this is going to be a fun team to watch because I think we're going to see Carolina play the way that we're used to seeing them play, the running and the gunning, yep. getting up and down the court. It and might be 10 deep. Yeah. I mean, if I'm coaching, dude, if you're if you're not running the floor at a hundred percent, and to be honest, I'd be kind of picking people up a lot more full court because I got ten guys. I'm going to wear you out, and if you don't play hard, I got a lot of guys on the bench that will. Yeah, I think that's something that even I, you know, I'm not a I'm not a press guy. Like I I, I don't necessarily love. No, it. I don't I'm, want my I'm not team... talking about you know right. crap and everything, but you can give token full court press and again next thing you know they're crossing the ball and they're at 16 15 on the shot clock then it's not you know it's not as much uh you know time for them to get into their action yeah no i i definitely think this team as much as we're excited offensively i do think there's a lot of things defensively where if the effort is there, the buy-in is there, they can do some of the things you saw under Coach Smith, you know, the the the, 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 the trap out of a timeout, that type of stuff, which is something I think we'd all be I excited. I, lo- I love that. It's something I grew up, Michael, reading a lot about, and it was something that Coach Williams in my time, I didn't see a whole lot of, and whenever he would do it, it would usually burn us, but whenever it would work, you'd be like, man, you'd like to see that happen more often. I, 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 think, I think that's what makes Schubert so, you know, intriguing. It's why... You know, in a lot of ways, he's the perfect guy to be the Carolina basketball coach. We haven't played under Coach Smith, mentored by Coach Williams. He has a blend of both in him. So I'll ask you this. 
as 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 I'll get you out. Carolina last year preseason number one, they missed the NCAA tournament. This year preseason number nineteen, not the favorite to win the ACC. There's not a Final Four expectation upon this team. What defines success for Carolina basketball in 2023-2024? That's a great question. To me, one thing about Coach Smith, it was. You know, it was never about the wins and losses. It was more about did you do the right things, you play the right ways, you play hard, and then we'll live with the results. Mm-hmm. I think my my judgment of success this year will be did we get back to what we used to do and play hard and share the ball and the team, you know, chemistry. Because you're going to have some lucky wins, lucky losses. You can't control your 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 schedule, your your one loss record. So my my hope is they're just back to a really close-knit team and they play the right way and they're fun to watch. I think we're a little uh, underrated this year, but rightfully so because we got to prove it. I do think we're kind of that 12 to 15 range. I definitely think Duke's the best team in the ACC. We're second or third. Uh, but I, I, I feel confident when things are clicking if things go correctly, we can beat anybody in the country. I, I definitely hope so. I think it, it'd be nice to see Carolina back atop the ACC and competing for, you know, at least a second weekend of the tournament type of thing. I, sure. I think, you know, on the surface, that would be defined a successful season, which it's all possible if they play hard, play smart, and play together. <laughs> well, Michael, exactly. I, I, I do want to thank and, you. And for everybody out there, if, I want, if they call the uh, season finale – the series finale of Ted Lasso <laughs> at halftime during his speech, he says, play hard, play smart, play together. That's a nice touch. Coach Smith lives on. Yes, sir. Well, Michael, I, I want to appreciate you uh, uh, for taking some time out, out of your busy drive down to Auburn, Alabama. <laughs> have, have I'm through sec- Atlanta. Oh, I'm through Atlanta. So there we the go. That we 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 got we got you through the traffic boogaboo that that Atlanta is. Have a great uh, re, uh safe trip. Have a great sure. rest of your drive. Thank you again, and we'll talk later down the basketball season. All right, my man. Absolutely. Anytime. Check in. I, I love talking with you guys. There you go, guys. That is Michael Norwood, former Carolina basketball player, lifelong Tar Heel, as he always likes to reference to. That is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. But before we let you go, guys, we do encourage you to visit the website. That's HeelToughBlog.com, where we're getting you ready for the basketball season. Um, We have an article up about the life and the legacy of Walter Davis. There's an article up about, you know, evaluating Hubert Davis as he gets prepared to enter uh, his third season as the Carolina basketball coach. Tar Heel football host Campbell this week, and we'll have you covered on that front as well. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, just simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we will pop up. We're there. We do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the basketball season. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I do want to thank Michael Nord for joining me once again. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels! Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that.